Hello, beautiful people. I have a big piece of personal news that I wanted to share with you. My play Tinkerbell has been published by Dramatic Publishing and is now available worldwide for licensing and purchase. So go to dramaticpublishing.com slash tinker bell and license the show. You can even read the first 11 pages on the website and download a poster or buy the script. That'd be nice. I get paid either way, but I get more if you just buy it. So please just buy it. I'd like to thank Adventure Theater MTC for commissioning the play and first Stage Milwaukee and the Des Moines Playhouse for licensing it before publication, which of course helped it get published. Thank you all very much. I will not be doing one of these each week, so just go to the website I mentioned. It'll also be in the description and buy the script. Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Kendra Nutting, for becoming a patron of the original cast. She joined at the orchestra tier, which means she gets episodes a day before they come out. That's what she gets. She also gets this shout-out right here, and she also gets access to our movies podcast, the original cast at the movies, which comes out on the 27th of every month. Our pilot episode on Moulin Rouge is available now on this feed, so you can sample before you buy. June's movie is the Spice Girls 1997 film Spice World. You heard me. Patreon.com slash OriginalCastPod. All right, here's the show. Great to be here in the yeah. big conference room. It's this wood table. Just, just, I'm in love with this table right now, which is not great for sound, but it's a great table. Oh, is it? Oh, is that going to be something? Oh, no, no, it'll to... be fine. But like, I mean, it's a real table. This is a solid table. It's like made from a battleship or something. Or something. Uh, I think uh, from somewhere out in Brooklyn. Like, oh. Uh, like, uh, there's a story that I don't know. Our president knows. About this but table? Okay. About literally about how we got this table. Oh. Well, welcome to our table cast about <laughs> Sam French's big conference room and their very, very nice table. <laughs> Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a literary manager. It's Samuel French. It's Garrett Anderson, everybody. How's it going? How you doing, Garrett? I'm doing all right. Good. All right. We're Glad to have you here. Big conference room. It's, it's, it's a large conference room with many, many leather-bound books, and that's yes. true. Yes, it is. Actually. They're over there. <laughs> it smells of rich mahogany, as the, as the line goes. Yep. And oh, you got Ken Ludwig's Baskerville there looking mm-hmm. at me. There's another DC guy. Yeah. All right, all right. Belleville, looking I think around. I saw a production of that at Studio Theater when I was still living in DC. I would like to see a little bit more Audrey Cephaly, just like that I'm seeing, but we'll we'll talk about that. I'll talk to your designer <laughs> later, and we'll figure that whole thing out. So, Great. but anyway, we're not here to talk about The Wall. We're here to talk about... 35 Millimeter by Ryan Scott Oliver, and with photos, based on photos by Matthew Murphy. Sarah Barry was a popular bitch. Hot bot, hot boy, cheer captain, plus she was rich. Oh, yeah. That girl had everything till hiccup and hitch. Julie Jenkins lost, lost a leg, leg in a wreck. <laughs> From royalty came uh-huh. Our Sarah senior year And queen was her claim uh-huh. Till gossip stirred The student body would name Julie Jenkins Queen of the prom <laughs> Sarah her father said Life is a prom I know you won't disappoint Me and mom You taste the silver Sarah You taste the crown You thirst for blood from the roses in So 
How did 35 millimeter come into your life? Uh, it actually came into my life when I started here at Samuel French. Um, I am not particularly a musical theater person by trade. I'm much more of a regular uh, straight play person. And when I started working for Samuel French, they were like, you know, get to know the catalog because it's part of the job. Sure. Um, I, w- and, I would think so. Yeah. I guess. Uh, and this is one of the ones that I came across uh, that seemed just kind of like off the beaten path a little bit um though it does it does very very well and lots of people really enjoy the show um and so i gravitated to it because it didn't sound like other musicals and it Mm. doesn't particularly sound like you know a traditional musical theater piece um it sounds a lot more like a rock album (laughs) in Mm -hmm. some in some portions and so uh and then the fact that it's kind of like this cabaret uh song cycle Mm -hmm. um and i feel like when i did gravitate towards musical theater it was stuff like songs for a new world or things that were not necessarily what you would think of when you think of musical more theater. structureless yeah not, not book musical which is funny thing, because yeah. like the books are the mo- the things that i actually gravitate right, towards because it's say. more it's more like a playwright thing but yeah i think when i just like listening to it like the way i would listen to an album sure like a, just like a regular musical theater or sure. a musical piece sure so that makes yeah. a lot of sense That's yeah great. so sam french already had 35 millimeter when you you started here yeah, no. I think that was acquired. Uh, I know it was copywritten in like 2012, so probably sure. somewhere, somewhere around there, that, 2012, 2013. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we'll back up a little bit, and yeah. actually, it'd be a good idea for people to understand exactly what it is you do. What is a literary <laughs> manager at Samuel French do? Uh, well, it's funny. I, I should also make a distinction that Samuel French is now a part of uh, oh, right. Concord Theatricals. That's right. Yes. Uh, which uh, my boss, Amy Rose March, likes to refer to as kind of like the 90s supergroup of uh, licensors uh, <laughs> because it's, uh, it's Samuel nice. French. And we are also joined with uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, Tams Whitmark and the Musicals Company. Right. Uh, so this is a fairly new, uh, a new, a new merger. It happened in January. Yeah. Um, and so we're still figuring a lot of things out. But, um, but yeah. So I'm still as far as Samuel French is not going away. Yeah. Uh, the imprint will still be a thing. Uh, we are still acquiring plays. Um, and that is a large majority of the job that I do is really just trying to find new titles for our catalog, for theaters across the country, professional to community, to high schools, what have you. Um, we have a catalog of 10,000 plus titles. <laughs> and so trying to find something that goes along with those several titles is, uh, is a very interesting task. Uh, but a lot of what I do is managing the submissions that come in. Um, reading a lot of shows, seeing a lot of shows, um, and just essentially trying to assess uh, if there is market value, and uh, just trying to find the new new voices out in the world mm-hmm. that are playwriting. Mm-hmm. And you you happen to be one of those voices. I do uh, I through do. through the Samuel French Off Off Broadway Short Play Festival right. that you were you you won last year. Right, with, I and five other shows. I have yes. to keep stressing that. Yes, <laughs> we, I, we my show won, but so did five other people. Yeah, or five other shows actually it was like seven other people. Um, that's right, because one was. Musical. Was a musical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Which is how we met because mm-hmm. I was at that run at the festival uh, last year, which I've talked up endlessly. It was a tremendous experience. Not only because I won, <laughs> it was just—it's a tremendously well-run festival, and the shows were so great. Um, I mean, all across the board, and I'm, it was a great. We were gl- we were glad to have you too, though. I mean, like yeah. it's 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 really nice because not only do we get to meet playwrights that not necessarily that we wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise mm-hmm. but um but once they're here it's like you know we really get to know them for that week well one of the things i i appreciated about it and and the thing i've told other playwrights to submit the reason i've told people to submit to it is because 
there's a lot of places you go. Festival. I've done film festivals. I've done play festivals. I've done all kinds of things. And you you have the 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 lip service you get from people is like, listen, we're here for you and for your your piece, and it's mm-hmm. all great. And then they never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> they talk to you a little bit at your screening or your presentation or whatever, and you're uh-huh. kind of shuffled off. And it is just because it's a behemoth. I mean, there's how many shows did we have last uh, year? Thirty. Yeah, I thirty. Mean, thirty that make it into the festival, but we start with. Uh, I think last year we started with just under 900 something yeah. like that and then we're in the process of reading right now and we have uh, i think about 915 something like yeah, that i can imagine every year it only gets bigger it doesn't get yeah, smaller it, it, yeah yeah i think it the lowest last year was was the lowest at just under oh, 900 was it really? yeah oh, wow. um but there was a year that we had like over a thousand uh yeah, yeah but it has it has grown exponentially yeah uh and yeah it's yeah. it's been a lot of reading that's I'm for sure. sure well that's yes <laughs> yeah I'm not a great reader, Garrett. I couldn't do what you do. But the uh, but what I say was that I it was a festival where I really did feel like I talked to nine or ten people who work here and mm-hmm. felt like they were really talking to me. And then we saw them backstage before shows. And like you said, when you when I came in, you told me that Casey says hi, who I haven't seen since August. But it is that thing of like you do really you f- you feel like you're part of the festival in a very real way from the opening night party, which was wonderful all the way up through the closing and it was just you know it was it was wonderful to be a part of and so i recommend to anybody to submit to it because <laughs> i mean and and it really is it's a rare thing though where like because it was the first year i'd done it i was just like well if we make the finals that'd be awesome mm-hmm. but it was just so much fun to be here and to to be a part of it and then of course to to go the whole way though was no that was fine. I nothing, was, you know what I mean? Nothing to sneeze Except at. Except I can't do it again, Garrett. <laughs> this is a big, this is a real, like, I was, because the director at Court, Courtney Self and I, like, after the first performance, we're just like, all right, when we do it next year, like, this is what we should do, and this is the things that are working and not working, we'll figure it out. And we were all set to come back. I mean, you're more than welcome can... to come back. <laughs> well, I'll definitely come. Oh, you I'll get, come you back. You can't but you, you could definitely oh, I'll come, come back. back. I'll be back. Absolutely. 100%. But so that so as a literary manager, you you do that. You look at plays. You read plays. Mm-hmm. You're going to see plays. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah, you're constantly yes. absorbing what's going on. And assessing uh, artistic value, obviously, that's, that's, that's a part of it. But really, we're also taking a look at trying to see, okay, there is a show, um, and it has merit no matter what, but mm-hmm. also we're trying to figure out, okay, if we do acquire this show, who is going to do this show? Mm-hmm. And that's really a large a large majority of what I do as well as if we are uh, looking at potentially acquiring a show, I'm reaching out to theaters across the country and saying like, is this on your radar? Is mm-hmm. this not on your radar? And so I get in touch with a lot of other literary managers across the country, um, artistic directors across the country, and just kind of like gauge uh, the overall, it's, I will say this. It's really nice to have a bird's eye view of the regional theater scene mm-hmm. across the country and getting to know who's interested in what and seeing trends as they happen and seeing which shows are are really popular or, you know, had 10 productions some mm-hmm. year and then the next year it has five or whatever the case may be. Getting to kind of see that and get getting to be a part of that conversation is, is mm-hmm. I'm, I count myself so, so lucky. So when you started here and you, you dug into the catalog, like you say, to familiarize mm-hmm. yourself, how did you start? Uh, I had, well, my two, Amy Rose Marsh, uh, and we uh, at the time had a, a literary supervisor named Ben Coleman. Uh, they sent me some suggestions. I think it was like 10 or 20 shows mm-hmm. that they were like, here is a just a general overview of some things that are, you know, regional theater favorites to things that are a little more like downtowny, mm-hmm. uh, things that are playing at community theaters, because we do have an extensive catalog that 
while they'll never come to New York and probably never play at a Lort house, they do very, very well for the playwrights that wrote them because mm-hmm. there are community theaters uh, and dinner theaters across the country who mm-hmm. continually do these shows mm-hmm. over and over and over. So, you know, there was stuff like that. Uh, a few of our um, uh, things we have called Baker's Plays. They were uh, a smaller publisher that we that Samuel French uh, acquired at a point in time, and a large majority of those titles are TYA or mm-hmm. um, theater, uh, not necessarily for young audience, but for children to perform themselselves. Oh, sure. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so they kind of gave me a lay of the land, and I read some of those, and then as I found things that I liked, I kind of would go down different rabbit holes and read different things. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it was just kind of like a smattering mm-hmm. of newly acquired titles, old favorites, blah, 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 and then just going from there. I'm const- I am constantly reading, Patrick. That is, at any point in time, I am reading a play uh, give, text me at any point in time. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you I'm reading? reading? reading yeah, what are you reading? What are you reading? Mm-hmm. I'm reading a play. <laughs> I'm sure reading you are. Reading a play, listening to a musical. Yep. Yeah, that's... I. Uh, so when you came across 35 millimeter mm-hmm. in, in your sort of... Wan- how did you find it in your wandering? Did you just go, I should look at some of these musicals too? And then uh, it's I can't just- remember if it was one of the ones that they suggested uh, to me or if I found it, but I think... I think I was just, you know, what are the musicals that we have mm-hmm. in our catalog? Um, and Ryan Scott Oliver has a has a presence with a very specific group of people because I feel like high school students and college students and people who may have a musical theater background and know, you know, the Annies, the Oklahomas, the Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, that, that catalog. And as they grow older, they start to try and find things that are a little bit more off the beaten path for mm-hmm. them. And they say like, "Ooh, this is Ryan Scott Oliver doing like with heavy guitar licks right. and like wailing," you know. And I think that that younger folks uh, in high school and college are looking at this and listening to this and saying like, "That's what I want to sing. Mm-hmm. I want to do that." And so he has this has this uh, this following, and uh, hearing that just internally in the office as well is like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, Ryan Scott Oliver is really really popular." Mm-hmm. Um, and I had known his name from I think I don't I can't remember why, but I came across his. Uh, show Darling uh, mm-hmm. when I was working at the Shakespeare Theater Company. Uh, I can't remember if it was a submission or if it just happened. Just be floating around. Yeah, just yeah. to be floating around. Um, and I remember listening to to it to that show or parts of that show and thinking like, this is I like this sound mm-hmm. a lot. And so I think probably two and two to together. That, yeah, connection. Uh, and then I listened to it and fell in love with a handful of songs on this on this uh, this album. And ever since, I uh, I've been a really really big fan of his work. Uh, we also published a show and licensed a show of his called Jasper and Deadland. Mm-hmm. Um, that. Uh, that is also really, really fascinating and visually just stunning, mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Just the uh, the production that was at Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle was incredible. If you mm-hmm. have a chance, to take a look at those those production photos. They are nuts. Oh wow! Yeah, they're really, really. Oh, cool. that's good to know. Yeah, I know Ryan on Twitter, uh, mm. and uh, just by coincidence, and so this was great to to visit the show, which I did not know. I was going to say, yeah, you you didn't you didn't know the show before I, I suggested did not it. know the show before you suggested it. No, I I am not. If it hasn't. been been if i haven't seen it mm-hmm. or it hasn't been done in in the sort of the sphere that i float in it doesn't it's not my my my, my knowledge is deep but it's not very wide so like there's there's a lot of stuff that happens on the edges mm-hmm. that i and just on this trip i i'm i i talked with uh kevin uh, jager from broadway's podcast about bear which was not a musical i know i don't know if you know uh, i know of it bear but i'm not f- yeah, yeah i'm not familiar um, with it 
show I'd never heard. There, I'm constantly being sent shows that I've never heard of with mm-hmm. everything from like 35 millimeter to Starmites. Mm-hmm. And um, which reminds me, this is a Zeitler. I have to keep remembering that, which is a, a show I've never heard of that we're doing on this podcast. Uh-huh. But so in. Yeah. So I was excited to listen to it and, mm-hmm. and to get it and to, and to hear it for on, on your recommendation. And um, I was startled by it a little bit because it is. Well, we should say. Before we go any further, uh-huh. it doesn't have a plot per se, but could you give people kind of a general con- conceptual synopsis sure. of what thirty five were? Yeah, it's um, it is a song cycle yeah. um, in which all of the songs that were written for the show uh, relate to uh, photographs that were taken by Matthew Murphy, um, who is uh, Ryan's husband. Um, I think they might have. Gotten married after? I think they did. Yeah, after, after the show, after was, the over, show yeah. was over. Ryan Scott Oliver would have a song, and Matthew Murphy would take a photograph um, in relation to that song, or vice versa. If Matthew Murphy had a photograph Ryan that Ryan really liked or gravitated to, he would write a song for it. Um, but each of these songs have their own individual plots, uh, but collectively, I think they work towards something about like focus or um, looking at something from a very different perspective or a very specific perspective. Um, yeah, I was going to say perspective seems yeah. to be something that a reoccurring theme that pops up. Because one of the things I really enjoyed about it was that unlike Songs for a New World or other song cycles I've heard, it was not a collection of unpublished or material that right. was then grouped into a show. Right. And then a theme was kind of strung together through it. There's nothing wrong with that show. No. We got a show. But this very much feels like a show. Okay, this was all these songs were written in in concert to be part of a larger piece of work. Yeah. And there's different wildly different musical genres mm-hmm. inside of it and and uh, and wildly different ideas and different characters, but it always does all sort of feel like part of a piece which is very hard to do mm-hmm. without a story or without a book you right know, it, to to really make it feel like yeah it, it feels like it has a flow and it's a long album as well yes. I mean, it's a big chunk of material it's like 20 some songs in this, yeah something like that yeah it's, yeah. it's massive so. it is it is it is very very long but i think the re also the kind of like disparate nature of all of the different sounds too is probably why i gravitate towards mm-hmm. it so much is because i when I'm listening to, there's probably people who are going to be shaking their heads at this, but when <laughs> I listen to music on Spotify more often than not, I'll just go to my songs and play shuffle mm-hmm. just through my whole entire catalog. So I may, it may jump from Iron and Wine to Ludacris to Ryan Scott Oliver to whatever. And I just, I like listening to music that way. And so I think that's why I like, obviously he doesn't have anything that sounds like Ludacris on this album, but. Uh, on this album. <laughs> <laughs> on this album. On this album. <laughs> Um, but I think that that's why I like it so much is because it's so disparate and yet uh, I can still listen to it and still follow this same sort of uh, their specific perspectives and characters and they're all just so intently focused on like the one thing that they are they are talking about mm-hmm. and then moving on to the next. Mm-hmm. But he still he does with specifically with transitions and beginnings and intros of songs and mm-hmm. outros of songs that he'll pull in other songs as well. I think and that's one thing that he does really well to kind of like make it feel like a cohesive piece is that he's using uh, notes or using phrasing from other songs. And there are a few transitional musical element, like moments, tracks, discrete tracks called transitions where you feel things do blend Mm -hmm. and ebb and flow. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a really solid put together album and you have pictures i do have pictures we, we can look at you can't but i am going to get some of them from you <laughs> post them on the facebook um 
based on whatever songs we we talk about because it it is a essential component. I mean, it's a very visual yes show. Yeah, which when is, yeah when people license the show, they uh, they are also licensing. I was going to ask, do they license the photographs yes. as well? Is that the it's way it a, it's works? a part okay. of the, it's a part of the license. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, because they because they are essential. If if you're singing the song and you don't have the things that they're talking about, it feels a little bit. I don't know like half of the show yeah. kind of mm-hmm. especially when you start to look at things um you know there when i first when i first came to it i would just listen to songs sure. like, oh this is really really cool but once you see the photographs in relation to it yeah it gives you a completely different perspective mm-hmm. because they're not always literal i will say that the photographs mm. aren't necessarily like a scenescape sure. of whatever the song is it's really more kind of abstract in relation and mm-hmm. i think in and in photography and in art in general they're that's that's how people relate to it, right? Is sure. That you bring whatever your your feelings are to uh, the piece of art or the photography, and so I think that that's how these two work together. Mm-hmm. Is that they're not necessarily just like a literal one or the other. Sure. They play. They play, and they use. I think you need an audience to also interpret as much as possible as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel. Like, I will say, listening to it, it feels like half a show. You feel like you're missing. Mm-hmm. a chunk of it which is also rare you don't always feel that way listening to to cast albums you can kind of go oh yeah like this is it, you know there's another half to it but this is good as right. well and there were several times where i was listening to the songs going god i wonder what this picture is uh-huh <laughs> yep because they're so some of them are so tightly drawn can i yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I want to please titles here because there, there was, are there's titles on the back i think oh there we go there you go that's easy um there was one that came in. I mean, the Ballad of Sarah Barry is one that like leaps out. I think it's the one that right ha- is probably the most That's or the one f- of the most popular. Close to the finale, I believe. Yes, yeah, it's the second to last song, I think. Was it Mama Let Me In? Is it the all acapella one? That was one. That's that Ma- Mama Let Me In. That's Mama Let Me In? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really that was really something. Mama, don't shut me out. Mama, don't shut me out. Oh, don't you hear my bang and shout, my bang and shout, my bang and shout. Blessed be the baby who cries into the night. Blessed be the baby who as black bars hold tight. describe it i can probably yeah i'll play it it here over for for the (laughs) listeners don't get bored but it was um it was the one with i'm trying to remember exactly what it was the structure of it that really really struck me as being fascinating but it was oh it was the one it was the the one with the 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 people die in a car crash um after their wedding it's cut you a piece of me i cut you a piece of me i cut you a piece of me and where you go, I will go to. Yes, I am now a part of you. Jules and his Jesse got married in his temple because they calculated that Jules was more Jewish than Jesse was Catholic. Jules' mother was pleased struck me at that point you know like the second time through that the there was great attention paid to the 
emotional arc of what was going on mm -hmm. because it does have like a lot of song cycles have there are moments where you get into like a series of songs about brooding mm -hmm. you know what i mean or a series of songs about something or people being you know there's great drama in these songs and right. often great drama is very sad so right. some of these songs in a row you're like oh my goodness like please can we can yeah somebody laugh or throw for, what's the line for family guy jesus somebody throw a pie <laughs> but um with uh cut you a piece mm -hmm. which obviously like I'm, what i'm about to say if, if since the song is about ultimately somebody dying had a really interesting approach in its structure so that when the climactic dramatic moment came it did knock me down mm -hmm. in a way that some of the earlier songs maybe hadn't which is appropriate for a show like that you want so, you know you want to start with something big you want to build to an arc and then you want to finish with the material that's the right. most pressing and pointing mm -hmm. and ballad of sarah barry is obviously the closer right and but like cut you a piece comes right before it and there's also i really appreciated the fact that there would be they got more transitions as we went on the transitions sort of there, there would be you know be a couple songs and then one transition and a few songs and, one. and at the end it's kind of like song two songs transition one song transition one song mm -hmm. like it really feels like you're it the momentum suddenly picks up absolutely in, in a real way and it gets it suddenly you're slammed into the to the end which is the, i mean that's just really good show writing. Yeah, no, he's I, I, he's he's such a phenomenal writer. I mean, just in in the structure in and of itself is mm -hmm. is one thing that we can that we can definitely get into. And I think yeah. cut cut a piece is also. I think he had there's there's a personal relation. I mean, all of these have some sort of personal Obviously, relation, right. but I think that one that was written felt for very yeah yeah. There 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 was a. There's always in songs like that you can tell, that. It, it, I like songs where the, that the personal songs where it feels like a composer at the beginning is holding back. Mm -hmm. That like there's a lot of emotion here, and if I don't control it just right, it's all just going to come falling out, and right. it's going to be a mess. And it feels that way, and that he was almost holding himself back to get to that ending, and then it just mm -hmm. kind of it just lets go, and and this really, and it doesn't. I'm saying it doesn't go, you know, the or arrangement doesn't go crazy. It doesn't explode. It just like the emotion of the lyrics flow out into that ending and i really it really like both like, the second time through i was really like gosh that's that's just really 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 good he does very impressive he does he does such such methodical work i think mm -hmm. on this show in in uh, like i said in this in the layout of the songs but also just in songs themselves you can hear how smart of a musician he is and even just like in arranging the show mm -hmm. it's like Ma mama let me in like we mentioned yeah it's it's, it's all acapella but like listening to different people's voices and the way in which they come together i i it, it blows and it comes right in the mind. middle right i mean mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of it's a it's a really nice break i mean mm -hmm. in, like, in the middle of this show there's just this this lovely surprising acapella yeah. moment and it's yeah it, it's a very so what is it about the structure for you that that, that sort of leapt out at you and of that sh of, of yeah, that song uh, or of the show in general of the show in general yeah. well and i think i think you're right i think it's it's uh just the, i mean the fact that he is able to put all of these songs together and make them feel like a cohesive thing is one thing that's hard enough to do. Oh, sure. Uh, that I that I really, really gravitated towards. But I think the fact that I, I forget that I'm listening to a musical theater album and that he's telling stories every now and again, like my mm -hmm. like the fit one. I think my entry level song for this uh, mm. this show was "Leave Luann." Ever since he got him laid off, his sanity just made off. No, he was never nice, but now he's cruel. He rapes her and he beats her. She don't fess how he treats her. Cause the Bible verse says it won't get worse and she won't be a fool. You won't. 
if you walk out that door, his truck will be gunning for you. No, you won't be Blue M4, he'll give you what for. You got hardware you should have had brains. And so, loyal Blue M remains. So oh, sure. And, uh... It's so funny because Ryan tells this story and and he's told it, I think, a number of different areas that uh, they had a set time that they wanted the show to run and he had seven minutes left. And so he had to write a song with seven minutes. Uh, and so that's why that song, there's a certain point in which it feels like it's a song and then another song and then yeah. back to the first song again. Mm-hmm. Um, but listening to that feels like I was listen- I'm listening to a folk album or like yeah. a, you know like something that I wouldn't again that I wouldn't listen to thinking like I'm gonna listen to musical theater yeah and yet you're listening to it and you're listening to it and you're bopping around and and then you're like oh this is a really really messed up story about this person and then you get engrossed with the story of it and then you're like what's gonna happen with Luann <laughs> is she gonna is she gonna get away is yeah. she gonna do and I think that that's every song at a certain point I listen because it sounded good and because yeah. it was something that I could bop around to. And then halfway through the song, I'm I'm genuinely concerned about the person that about they're talking the about. <laughs> well, it's true. And it's what makes it, though. It's what makes it a show. Because yeah. like, when you listen to albums like this, the the content of the lyrics can wash over you. Because mm-hmm. you generally, nobody, or I shouldn't say nobody, but very few people sit down and like put on their headphones and listen. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't do anything. No else. one's having like a high fidelity moment no, where they're just like going and just Yeah, listening. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but most of the time you're walking or you're doing, you're working or you're mm-hmm. doing something else. And, the mu- and so the music is what you're absorbing more than anything else. But when you see this, mm-hmm. I can imagine that there are moments where there's like would be gasps and turn yeah. and like the audience would really like this is a journey of a yes. show oh absolutely you, yeah i do it, not envy directors who have to do this show just because I, the songs themselves are hard enough to direct but i'm like what do you what do you do like how is yeah. it like I, I i it's it's most things that i read i have a very easy time figuring out how it's going to look on stage mm. more often than not sure there may be some things that like like Sarah Rules plays are like, and then there's a cell phone melee. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then directors figure it out. That's and then what they I love. Do, and but do. that's what I love about being a writer is I could type things like that and be like, go ahead. <laughs> that's not my job to figure ahead, it out. You're going to figure it out. It out. I, just wrote, I just wrote for, for, for my next show, the, the stage direction, and then the rabbit fights the Jabberwocky. Yes. <laughs> and like shoved it across the table and be like, go. Like, Have fun. Whatever. <laughs> It's my favorite. You figure it out. It's great. It's, it's great. so wonderful. I mean, you have to be able as a writer. First of all, you have to. I think Stephen Sondheim says this, and I think he's absolutely right when um, he tells the story of when he presented. They presented Jerome Robbins with Maria from West Side mm-hmm. Story, and Jerome Robbins said, "What's he doing?" And he's like, "Well, he's singing." And he's like, "Yeah, but what's he doing?" He's like, "Well, you know, he's walking around. He's singing Maria." And Jerome Robbins threw the sheet music at him and said, then you stage it. (laughs) And what he took that to me, and he like, you know, luckily, young Stephen Sondheim learned from that, was that you have to have an answer to that question. You don't have to tell them, because the director may not need it. Mm -hmm. But you do need to have an answer when you write something like The Rabbit Attacks the Jabberwocky, what that looks like. Like, what does that mean? Either from, like, stage direction before it or dialogue after it. You have to give the director something to go on. And and if or you don't even have to write in the script, just if they ask, you have to be able to answer the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really do get the sense from thirty five millimeter that Ryan Scott knew the answer to these questions, absolutely, because it just feels that 
Like for honestly, I think the hardest part of the directors in this show, more than staging it, is keeping the actors from keeping them on like the emotional level of the moment because each mm. song could be like almost all these songs could be the closer of your cabaret like yep. you could do or the opener you know what i mean they could have that kind of emotional punch to them if you want yep but in the middle of a two hour hour and a half show with no intermission you've really got to make sure you've got enough left in the tank yeah for the the other 45 50 minutes you've got left and also that the audience halfway through wasn't like enough stop. yeah <laughs> please stop i need a break you know like you really have to give them uh, y- y- arc is so important, and performers want to perform. You know, mm-hmm. they want to sing, especially high school and college kids want to sing and perform. Well, I think that that's why it had this show has such an audience with high school and college kids because they they hear these songs and they're like, yeah. I want to do that. I can do that. I can do that's that. So great. That's yeah, great. I want to sing that song. Uh, yeah, right. I want to. I want to sing about Sarah Barry. I want right. to sing about Luann. I want to, and you know, and they and they can do that one song and they can put it in their book and yep. go on their way. But yeah, doing this as a full show with all of those songs back to back, I'd imagine that like. Short leash, <laughs> yeah. At least, at least until you get to the end, and then however right. many performances and that you're doing. And luckily, there's. I mean, there doesn't. Is there a recommended cast size? Uh, I, bl- I, I, a required cast size. I know it was. I think it was five. It's I think five. It's two the, wi- yeah, yeah, two women, three men. I yeah, think that, that's, that's what, what it is. Yeah. Though I think you are able to open it up as much as you want I was gonna to. Say, I'm pretty yeah. sure that that uh, there have been productions where everyone gets a song. Yeah, I think. Sure. Yeah. And it just and it makes sense because That'd be it, exhausting for the audience though because you know those kids would walk out on stage and just dump it all on them and then walk off right and, say, and then oh, they're God. like bye right well but then uh, <laughs> see you later right Luann's enjoy the rest <laughs> of the show <laughs> I'll be signing autographs in the right <laughs> very true so, so my, very so, very true set my head shut for my grandma um, <laughs> I'll sign your playbill yeah it's a printed uh, piece of paper but. Uh, but yeah. Folded in half. Yeah, folded, twice photocopy over. twice yeah. and folded in half. Yes. yes, I'll sign it right next to the smudge that is my name. Hundred um, percent. But uh, but yeah, so you can open it up to as many mm-hmm. uh, to as many performances as you want. Uh, I don't know how transitions and like backgrounds and sure at that point that would work out. Um, but I'm sure someone's done it, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you could ask them. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there the. It's it's just got such power. This show does, and oh, yeah. and and but luckily, I think you're similarly. Mama let me in is is you know a moment in which you can kind of like take a step back, at least from the power of a lot of these songs and like the drive of a yes. lot of these songs. Yeah, he does. He's doing you favors. I mean, certainly it is structured in a way that that it. It isn't foolproof, but it, it, it is giving, you know, if you do it correctly, if you just sing the notes and follow the tune and obey the music direction, yeah, please, then <laughs> it, you, it'll get you halfway there. And then you just have you know, the director, whoever else has to do the rest, which is the ideal version for this sort of for a show like this. I mean, it's a monster of a, a work though. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, the band alone you you have to get for something like this would be because it's the, the second and third time I listened to it, I started to notice what I really liked about uh, and start to appreciate with Ryan's music is that it is deceptively easy sounding. Oh yeah. The first time through, you're just like, yeah, all right. It just, it, it's, a, it's a bop, it jams, whatever, moving on. And the second or third time through, I started to hear things. I'm like, oh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's very hard. What mm-hmm. you, we just did there. Oh dear me. You'd need a real band to I, do this thing. Yeah. I have a really bad habit of, of wanting to always just do the upper third of whatever, like singing along the upper <laughs> third of whatever whatever I'm listening to. Uh, I, I blame my upbringing and where my father just like 
laid Beatles on me all the time. Sure. But uh, and so I was like, I'll just do the upper harmony, whatever right. that is. And I think when I listen to this show, I try doing that, and then I immediately stop because it doesn't always because he's doing things musically that are just so intelligent with the harmonies to do to to fit mm-hmm. the content of the song. That I'll be like singing the harmony, and then I'm like, nope, that's nope. not what that is. And it isn't like, I mean, for a contrast, and I just talked about this show with somebody, so it's on the front of my mind. But like to contrast it with songs for New World, the way Jason Robert Brown layers out harmonies and chord compositions and things, you know it's hard the first time you hear it. It still mm-hmm. sounds gorgeous. It's not to take anything away from it, but it's like you get like, oh, that's tricky. Yeah, right. This is the sort of yes, like you say, this is the thing where you don't really realize how hard it is until you start to do it and mm-hmm. you go oh my like this kind of jumps all over the place a little bit doesn't it and like right. that harmony pattern sounds gorgeous and the reason it sounds gorgeous is because it's tricky and yeah. yeah there's there's nothing to hang on to and right yeah so a lot i really really appreciate i mean librettists and and composers who can who can do that who can make it it sound so easy mm-hmm. and then because that's that means it's easy to listen to i mean that means to me that, that your ear is absorbing it it's the right kind of smart where right. the audience is never going to go oh my gosh that's so hard and complicated right and it interferes with their understanding it's it's all kind of hidden under the surface in service of making something sound great and yep. sound beautiful and there's some interesting musical ideas you haven't thought about before which are great which will keep your ear interested but we try to sing some of those chords mm-hmm. or play some of those chords. I, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, 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 I play guitar and, and I, nope, none yeah. of this. I don't really some think charts. that there's any, yeah, <laughs> I don't charts. think, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Of course I'm not, I'm not playing professionally in any shape or form. Well, so no, that's sure, not like a but... different thing. See, and this is when I feel it was so funny. Like when you oh. asked me to do this and you're like, musicals you want to talk about? And I picked this one. I felt a, a twinge of like all of the people in my office who are really, really big musical theater people uh-huh. being like, "Why didn't you pick something else?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, well I appreciate good. you staying on brand. First, of yes, all. this or is Sam French. I, that this was is a good. Well, and I'm Sam French brand and personal yeah, and brand. personal <laughs> brand. But that's the thing. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the thing. I, well, but I, it, it is. I mean, part of why I do this show is mm-hmm. to discover shows like this that I didn't know, and especially by like an artist who I, who I do know and whose work I know is 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 good to be like, oh hey, there mm-hmm. we go. That's that's some nice synergy, personal synergy there for yeah. me. Um, what work of his did you know before? Other than other it was than... songs, it was smattering. Oh, of okay. things, you know, like a little. And I I did know uh, uh, what was the song from this that I had heard before, Crazy Town. Oh, okay, um, yeah. which had popped up in his feed, and some you know somebody had done it. And he was like, here, mm-hmm. check this out. This is an amazing version of this song. I am running middle road as I'm chased through a town psychotic. Used to cheer and jackal much like my mother trying. Beat it, beat it, beat you. I don't go. Money on the ground, pounds, yen, dollars, and the jackals close behind. I escape from the dog as I dive through a stream of sea snakes. And I realize that this river is what separates us. from west. And I'm bitten from the east, which is present, to the west, which is past and future. I nearly drowned in crazy. Fun 
fun fact. When you do a podcast about cast albums, you constantly have to listen to cast albums. <laughs> so you don't get a lot of free time to listen to ones you maybe want to listen to. That You know, it's funny. That sounds a lot like a literary gonna, manager at Samuel Fritch's job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I read a lot of things that are part of my job description, and, and I have very little time for reading the things that I... Like, it's so funny. People will talk to me about books, just regular books, not necessarily sure. books of musicals or plays, but they'll, like books that right. I should have read. Right. Nope, nope, nope. Because I when I because when I'm not reading plays, the last thing I want to do is read some more. <laughs> well, right, and that is the <laughs> see that's the that's the problem, and that's I'm I'm reason now that my my kids are starting to get older and be more self sufficient mm-hmm. and not require 24 hour attention. I have free time to do things like read, and and I've started finally picking up. I mean, I amassed. I I just if my wife is listening, I did go to the Strand before I, I came. Oh, here. good for yeah, you. So yeah, my, my backpack's a little heavier. Nice and um. I, I, I buy play and plays primarily to read, and I I just don't, haven't read one in a very, very long time that, uh, that was new, that wasn't short. I, you oh, know, okay. I pick up a couple of short play collections. I'll skim through those very quickly. And, yeah. and like when we, the winners of last, and every year's Sam French off-off-Broadway received the publication of last year's <laughs> winner volume, which I then read I mean, yeah. in, in over the course of however many weeks because I was able to just read it in, in short bursts. Right. Um, but I spend my time writing plays. Right. So when I stop that, like I want to do something else. I don't want to necessarily read plays. Now, I feel I should be reading plays to know what people are doing. And also, that's how you continue to be inspired and think, oh, that's a neat idea. And that's mm-hmm. a thing. And I would love to go see more plays, especially. Right. Um, but I just don't have the time at the moment. Yeah, to do it's, that. it's coming back. It's you coming said, back. Yeah, you yeah. said you said you're starting to amass free time. And it's free free time? Right. That's, is that how you pronounce it? Don't start with me. <laughs> You don't have kids. Don't start. With no, me. no, no, no. If we're if we're gonna you know if we're gonna play that game, you're gonna win. I'm gonna win. Yeah, so just, just don't. Like, you're don't, done. You know what I mean? I got three kids, man. It's like it's like a thousand people in my house at any given moment. Uh, and but you I mean, but you're right. I mean, it is the thing of like when we work. It's a funny thing that happens when you you grow up wanting to do something in this business, right? And then you get the chance to do something in this business, and it consumes, and you suddenly realize you. It, it's you still love it. You can still love what you do, but you don't have the time to do all the other things you used to love, even about the business that mm-hmm. you're a part of, like going to see shows and going to, or just absorbing. I mean, I'm sure for you, because this happens to me, when you go see a show not for work, it's still work. Like your your oh, brain yeah. still is doing the same things that it does all uh, the time. Yep. Yeah. It's very. It's so funny. The last time I went back home uh, to visit my parents just for like Christmas break. Uh, we were watching a movie. I can't remember what, and I just t- all I did was just tear it apart. Yeah. And I was, just, and it, and I knowing I probably shouldn't have, right? Uh, but just that's how my brain but works about brain like works. ingesting narrative, right? I'm just like constantly, 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 constantly. And my dad very like earnestly was like, you know, we can't watch movies with you anymore, and it hurt. It yeah, hurt yeah. for like a second, and I was like, yeah, am I becoming just like too much of a snob to listen? Well, but it, to it, it's like, but that's, but it's, but you're right. But it's, that's it's how, absolutely true. I mean, it's when I worked in in film and in, in, in L.A. Like it, it, it was my wife would constantly say like I used to because I was obnoxious lean over to her we'd see something and be like I know how this is gonna end oh like, I, when oh I, yeah I did when all I the time. figured out the 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 twists or whatever and I used to do it just to bug her because she doesn't care but it then became apparent to me that like I'm not enjoying this anymore one of the reasons I stopped making movies was because I I had gone so deep into the making of film and then teaching film and analyzing it that like I found I hated it mm-hmm. because there wasn't a single thing I saw that I couldn't, I didn't see all the way 
through it and I had developed very particular tastes about what I enjoyed. Right. And I found myself unable to be surprised. And in fact, more often than not, was annoyed. And that made me like, I don't want to be that way. Mm -hmm. So I dropped out and went into theater full time. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and actually became a connoisseur of bad movies. I found that like a heroin addict, I had to go so far like, <laughs> in purity that I had to go the other direction. I was like, I'm into weird stuff. You don't, uh -huh. even, you don't even want to know. Like I could watch Battlefield Earth all day long. <laughs> that movie's amazing. <laughs> I have because I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh huh. <laughs> the movie's so badly put together. They don't. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> they don't care. It, they don't care about your structure. No, rules. absolutely. Oh nope. no, no, not in the least. Yes, bring me, bring me the latest M Night Shyamalan film, okay. and I will, <laughs> I will love it. <laughs> and I will love watching it to be like, ah, sure, man, Sh whatever, whatever you want to do. Running on the ceiling, go, whatever. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Look at this guy. This is nuts. Somebody paid him to do this. You believe that? None of those people got their money back. <laughs> but so, but it is. It, it it kind of does cloud the, yeah, like the enjoyment, you know, to a certain level, and it, it is it's, it's challenging. It's very nice, though. I will say, to like on the flip side of it, is mm. like I'm constantly seeing stuff, and I can't turn off the analytical side of my brain to save my life. Uh, but it's really nice to be in, in the position that I'm in because I'm not only thinking about my taste and very rarely am I actually thinking about my taste. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about any number of potential tastes, right? right? And then at that point in time, if I find one, then that's the like, or if I find several, I say, yeah. then it's like, ooh, great. And then I get to talk to those people about plays, right. which is just kind of like the really, really fun part and mm -hmm. telling people like, oh, have you heard of this? You haven't? Ugh. And then I get to like geek out with you about how like, about this play that will work for your theater, right? And yeah. So, and same thing with our licensing staff too. It's like often, more often than not, people will call them and and ask about a certain show that has maybe a new release or just mm -hmm. something that's in the catalog. Uh, that we have fans on our licensing staff of these shows, and you mm -hmm. know, and people forget that we're not that Samuel French isn't just like a person. <laughs> He's, when you guys you, you did the I don't remember what it was for. It was like a month ago. You guys all on Instagram pick something off the shelf and oh yeah like there's theater valentine yeah that's what it was, it was valentine's uh -huh. day and but it was nice to see like this because they were mostly new shows it looked mm -hmm. like to me and that was really great to say like you know this is these are the things from the catalog that you should be reading you should be checking these things out and and it was a nice like oh look at that there well, we go and so many of us too uh, and it's part of the reason why it would be so fun is because so many of us are theater people outside of mm -hmm. samuel french you know we have <clears throat> a handful of like actors and directors, producers, uh, playwrights on staff who, when they leave this office, they then go do theater somewhere else or are helping others do theater somewhere else. And so we approach this job very much with our own kind of like theater nerdiness <laughs> just mm -hmm. internally. And so we can, and so being able to talk to people about plays is, 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 is just so much fun yeah yeah i would imagine so how do we, we were talking, <laughs> we about, were 35 talking about 35 million <laughs> at a point in time <laughs> we started talking about licensing but it's, all, it's all part of a piece but it is I, I mean i think that one thing i want you to have the chance to sort of to agree with me on for publicly for people is that licensing a show is nothing to be scared of no and is not something where most shows do not exist under the onus of listen this is what it costs i don't care what size you are this is the price this is the yada yada you know all that there's a lot of big scary paperwork that goes with licensing but it's really easy to read yeah and if you I, one of the things i really like about sam french and i have had this had this experience later when i was president of the student theater organization is reaching out 
was very easy and asking questions and accommodations. And I, that was easy 20 years ago. I can only imagine it's gotten easier. Yep. And there are real live people here <laughs> who will answer your question, who love theater as much as you do yes. and want you to put the show on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we we want you to license shows. We yeah. want you to come to our catalog and find something that works yeah. for you. And, and that, are eager they, to develop relationships with theater companies mm -hmm. to do shows and do more shows. And right. Do, yeah, right. Yeah, we're, we're always... That's just good business. We're yeah. all, Well, it's good business, but it's always really exciting when we find theaters and producers and licensees who are equally as excited about theater as we are. Mm -hmm. You know, like when we get someone on the phone who is never license the show with us before or license the show period mm -hmm. but they have such a such a, a, a desire to, to to do it and to get be a part of it we'll take all the time that it takes mm -hmm. for you to 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 go through that process because we know that once you get over that hump then you will be able to do it continuously and we can find we'll get to know more about you and we'll get to know more about your theater and we'll get to say like great you did this show you really like this show we have five others that are in similar in tone or that we think that you'd like mm -hmm. okay maybe not these three but these two great we'll find five more that are more like those two you know like you say there's 10,000 plays in the catalog there are so many plays where there's a, at least 10 of them that you can do at uh, yeah. moment I'm, figure it I'm out. pretty sure yeah. I am pretty sure yeah. now th and that's the thing that you said that, that we all have uh, a pretty good knowledge of our catalog and I think that that's that's true for a large majority of them there are things in our catalog that have been in our catalog for sure. so many years sure. so many years and the funny thing is, is that we get people who call and will ask about that one show that was published in like 1930 that we're like having to struggle to find like scans of mm -hmm. in our and, and and we'll find it and we'll make it happen but like yeah there's there's stuff in our catalog that i've i've never touched and i probably i mean i could be here for a very long time and probably still wouldn't read everything in our catalog not even close i don't know how you would not even close well yeah. and the thing is that like well, i'm also part of your job is to find new things for the catalog yeah you'd have to stop I, that and just go backwards it's it yeah it's it's really i try and find time to read things in our back catalog mm -hmm. we, i try and do at least once a month hmm. i try Good. <laughs> yeah coming from march to probably like until after the tonys that is not going to happen but once the tonys are over then i'll then i'll start reading some more stuff that mm -hmm. Kind happened before things. I was here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sense. What's your favorite song in thirty-five millimeter? It's you know what's funny is that I as soon as you asked me to do this, I knew that you were going to ask that question. A yeah. Uh, and as I listened to it several times over, uh, it changed because because it started as Leave Luann. Uh -huh. I love that song. Sure. It's 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 absolutely gorgeous, and I want to get the the title right. Uh, but um, I I really like on Monday too. I like on Monday because a uh, uh, Lindsay Mendez is the one singing, I believe, mm -hmm. on the track, um, and the last note that she hits in that song is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It is so unbelievable. Also, when it first starts, it always makes me think that I'm listening to all the small things. 
by oh. Blink-182 because they have very similar, yes. very similar beginnings. That's a good, yeah. And then uh, like before I listened to this repeatedly before this, it would come up on my Spotify and I'm like, oh, Blink-182, oh, this is on Monday, oh, great. great. And it never, and it never phased me because either way I was getting a good song. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I think those, <laughs> those, those songs that start out... <laughs> And it's again, it goes back to my point is that like I'm listening to this like I would normally listen, like I would normally right. listen to just a regular, a regular album. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the intersection between music theater and Blink-182. I'm just. Give. Oh, the way that we're rolling oh, through uh, the way <laughs> the way that we're rolling through discographies on Broadway stages. Give that well, time. Yeah. Oh, give dear. it time. I miss you. I don't th- yeah. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm desperately, desperately waiting for the emo musical. Like all of those well, bands. I mean, oh, I, like I see when the, the emo jukebox music. Yeah, emo oh, jukebox music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a whole bunch of hair swoops. It'd be all, the cure, the right? The cure would be the first one. Yeah, it depends on when you want. When if you, you were going to do like, a band, though, like you, that you could sell. Oh, yeah, the probably. The cure musical yeah. would be the cure the one musical would go. be the one. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean. Or the Robert Smith musical, depending on how you wanted to look at it. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Don't do a Smith's musical. If anyone out there is listening. <laughs> Someone's already writing one. I know. <laughs> that's probably, that's, and it's that's probably Morrissey. That's the joke. Well, he's going to be on Broadway by himself. I know he's a jackass. <laughs> I don't say. But that how about, do you really feel? <laughs> I don't say that about many people. But just like read some of the things he said about immigrants. Just go ahead and then try to listen to like you know anything he wrote <laughs> with the same reaction. Man, he's a garbage human. Also, I'm just waiting for him to cancel his Broadway tour I because. I'm <laughs> Very true. Very, very true. Oh. Got polyps or something. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I, probably, yeah. That's that's kind of how that works. That's how that'll work. Um, uh, so, Sam French, Off Off Broadway Play Festival will be in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on, though? For, for Is there anything fun, exciting events happening around the Sam French universe? Obviously, you're digging in for the Tony. I'm di- well, I'm, di- I'm digging no in. No sleep I'm dig- the Tonys. I'm, dig- I'm yeah. digging in for, for everything that is happening here in New York and regionally. There are also a lot of just like new play conferences happening across mm. the country. Um, you know, we were out at the uh, Denver Center for their Colorado New Play oh, Summit. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not me personally, but we'll also be out uh, at South Coast Rep, I think, at the Pacific Playwrights Festival, which is also another uh, new play festival. Um, yeah, we're we're everywhere. We're trying to see as much th- as, ma- as many things as possible. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> you can't you escape think, us, especially now with Facebook. You're advertising your shows on Facebook that you haven't paid for. We're everywhere. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Garrett. Thank you so much for so- being here. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. Well, thanks to Garrett Anderson for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. 